What happens when a preacher and a science teacher discuss today's world from a biblical perspective? You're about to find out. This is Beaker and Pulpit Podcast. One thing I wanted to say, I wanted to give kudos to our producer, Josh. He's pretty good, right? Man, he's worked his gluteus maximus off. He went scientific on it. And he has all four of our episodes. We're up to date now. He has them posted, edited. I know. He's got a lot going on over there behind the camera. Yeah, he's the man. And he's got it all figured out. It's pretty impressive. It is. Yeah. I I am very impressed. We're going to ride his coattails to glory. (laughs) Uh, So, welcome back to Beaker and Pulpit podcast. Um, We've been talking through uh, origins and the creation account in the book of Genesis and comparing that to some scientific theory, popular scientific theory, Mm -hmm. particularly evolutionary theory. Um, We've kind of just been hitting these touchstones uh, as we go through some of this discussion. And um, the one thing I wanted us to get into tonight, and I messaged you very early, so you had lots of time to prepare. I mean, almost, I mean, what time is it now? Like like eight and a half hours ago, you, you knew about this. So yeah, it's yeah. probably eight hours more than you needed. But the thought that I had was, if we're looking at the biological diversity of life, so when we're looking at, well, last week we talked about the flora and fauna. We talked about the plant life and animal life and the creation account, what that means scientifically. But when we consider the, the vast diversity of life, mm-hmm. both in plant life and in animal life, um, does that support an intelligent designer or is there more support than... Um, intelligent design, is there more support for uh, evolutionary theory? So given enough time, you know, and probabilities, if we look at the diversity of life, which is going to be part of, of your wheelhouse as a biologist. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what do you think? What, wh- where do we land on that in terms of origins and source? Um, you know, does diversity support evolutionary theory? Does diversity support an intelligent designer? Well, I will say that um, atheists and agnostics believe in a, a multiverse because of the great design process that's already been taking place on this earth, and it, it can't fit and cannot justify their ideologies. So tell me, let's back up a little bit. Because when you say multiverse, I'm thinking like comic book heroes, right? And that there's these different dimensions and we exist not only here, but in some other dimension living some different life. So tell me what multiverse means in the scientific Well, it's realm. just this, this idea of out in space, there's a, it could be a parallel universe, more than one parallel universe, all these different things happening at once. And... The reason why non-Christians would believe in stuff like that and would even create things like that is because this earth has been so well designed and created, it doesn't fit their narrative. They can't, they can't finally just shove their, their narrative to work here, so they're going to create other parallel universes in order to justify their ideologies. 
So is the idea that there is some other universe or many other universes from which our universe evolved? Well, it it could be partly that. It's just it's just um, like I said, it, it's this is made up. Okay, so, <laughs> you, you got to understand you're, you're dealing it's with people. Theoretical, right? Yeah, theoretical, theoretical. It's made up. The, these people are grasping at straws, trying to justify their ideology of creation because everything is so well designed. Now, let, let me. So, what's the ideology that that God? There is no God. Or he's not involved. Correct. Okay. They 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 don't they they believe that they basically believe in a godless society, that there wasn't a creator, okay. that we have evolved over the eons of time right. from some miraculous ooze or slime, somehow one single cell was created. Mm-hmm. You know, it had to been a simple cell. And then from that, it, it, it multiplied and divided, and then from that came life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I can't... I can't explain that's why, the, the, the craziness of that thought. So in order to get from a single-celled a single celled organism to the complexity of life as we know it today, that's what requires those billions of years. Yeah. Okay. That's what they say anyhow. And, and, they, and they keep stretching it out. From the time I was in school, the earth wasn't this old. But now, I mean, it's like... A few more billions of years older than it was when I was going through uh, in the education process, and it's it, and it's growing. And uh, one of the latest uh, that I, I I ran across today was talking about people are trying to project what's it going to be like in um, seven hundred thousand years from now. I mean, there it, it's just. I just don't understand that that particular mindset because I don't have that mindset. You know, sometimes I wonder when we when you consider the tenets of evolution, <clears throat> um, the rapid uh, explosion of knowledge that we've experienced, mm-hmm. not only in our lifetime, but if we look back just one hundred years, mm-hmm. if we look back one hundred forty years mm-hmm. until today. Um, the incredible expansion of knowledge, uh, the expansion of theoretical things that have now come to fruition. Yes. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about Einstein and his theories, right? Those theories mm-hmm. that, that have have now developed into like nuclear power, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the, yeah. that the growth of knowledge and how rapidly that's happened. If we look at it from an evolutionary mindset, why is it just happening? Mm-hmm. Right. That's my thought. That if 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 life has been here since for however many millions of years, mm-hmm. why is it only in the last 150 years that there's been this explosion of knowledge? Like what prevented that mm-hmm. previously? Whereas if you have a biblical worldview and you take a literal account of creation, well, now, right, the time since, you know, the beginning of man to this mm-hmm. explosion of knowledge. Yes. It's it's much more reduced, right? correct? Um, and and so I've I've had that thought, and, and I've never really asked that question, other than just thinking it to myself. But it, I'm curious about that. Um, in evolutionary theory, why did it take so long? 
Because it's not true. <laughs> okay? I mean, that, that's a simple answer. Evolution is, is made up. They're trying to make up a reason of why we're here and how we got here without God. And so they're building upon each other. Oh, this guy came up with this. Oh, I like this idea. This atheist over here came up with this idea. Or, or they'll steal things from uh, Darwin and, and twist it and all these things just to make something up that we are here without God. Yeah. And that's a humanistic ideology. Yep. When you accept Jesus Christ, you don't have to worry about any of that. Because in the scriptures, it clearly states how we got here, right. who created us, why we were created, our purpose for being here. And, and it's been laid out ever since up to this day. Mm-hmm. And, and the Bible has not been proven wrong. And after, what, 66 authors over, what, 1,500 years? I mean, I know yeah. you know the facts a whole lot better than I do. Right. But... And it all flows together. Right. You, you can't find that anywhere else. Yeah, so the, the fact that it's written by multiple authors over three continents over the course of you know, fifteen to 1,600 years mm-hmm. and that there's not disparity. Correct. Right? One of the interesting things in science that I, that I read about frequently is we've made this new discovery, something of ancient times. There's mm-hmm. this new archaeological dig, and we found this very complex uh, mathematical system. And so that's revolutionized um, our thoughts on when we started to understand calculus as humankind, yeah. right? Now we have to back that up mm-hmm. hundreds or thousands of years. Um, and then oh, we found this, I forget what it was, it, it was like a Greek uh, machine mm-hmm. that accurately predicted uh, sunrise and sunset and lunar cycles. Mm-hmm. And um, it was used for navigation. And, and they find this thing made out of bronze. And they're like, wait a second, this dates back earlier than the Bronze Era. Yeah. So, wow, everything we know about human knowledge now has to back up to that point. And it mm-hmm. seems like, um, it, theoretically, we've put ourselves in a position to say, well, we're only just now getting smart, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then with each archaeological discovery, we go, oh, oh, wait, they were pretty smart back then, right? They, this, this mathematical concept that seems of higher learning that we've only just started to figure out Mm-hmm. Somebody else was already working out those algorithms yeah. you know, thousands of years ago. Actually, I mean, I've, I've heard other uh, biblical commentators and other scientists saying, we're actually dumber today than we were a couple thousand years ago. Just because we have these modern-day conveniences right. doesn't make us any smarter. We've just built upon what they already built the foundation of knowledge. And so we just build upon, we take from the, their foundation of knowledge from, you know, a couple thousand years ago. We're building upon that. Yeah. The, the question that, to me, begs to be asked is, if we didn't have that foundation 2,000 years ago, would we be here today with our present day technology? Yeah, there's no way. No. I mean, it's, it seems so like... So we're robbing from the past. It seems like every year or 18 months, there's the, the new special on TV that talks about um, how were the pyramids built, right? Yeah. Because knowing what we know about science and technology at that time, it seems mm-hmm. like if we only had that same si- level of science and technology today, you yeah. and I or anybody else couldn't build those pyramids. Correct. Right? So somehow they did it. We don't know how they did it. 
because with the tools that they had, we, yeah. we wouldn't have been able to do it. So there is some level of genius, right, even then. It, but here, here's to, to add to that, if, if you don't mind. The world's largest pyramid is not in Egypt. Where is it? It's down south of here. South America? The Mayans. Right. They built the largest pyramid. It just so happens is about half to three quarters of it is still buried underground. Right. But the foundations are down there, and yeah, they're and it, uncovering that. Right, and it's interesting because so much is still covered in in forest and foliage that as they do flyovers mm -hmm. and, and, and uh, continue to discover, they're seeing this network and community and culture that was previously thought to have not existed mm -hmm. that long ago. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and so just to touch on your, your thing about design, most of, and anybody who's taken biology has studied photosynthesis. Mm -hmm. you know, we, and, and, and the biggest things is, is most people take away from photosynthesis is the fact that, oh, plants take in carbon dioxide, they take in water, and they produce oxygen. But they also produce sugar. Um, and, and that sugar is, is used, you know, we eat plants, so we get that energy. It's all converting sunlight to energy. But the interesting thing is, is now when you get into cell respiration. Cells are breathing. So cell respiration is going to be flipped just the opposite of photosynthesis. They're going to be taking in oxygen now and the energy and they're going to produce carbon dioxide and water. In the plant. In the plant and in humans. Okay. Because we're going to have, allow the plants to live and grow. Then we go out there and let's say we're going to eat um, uh, broccoli. All mm. right? Yeah. What, what, what's your favorite vegetable? Well. Green beans? No, sir. So I'm vegetable free. Oh, man. I choose to be veggie-free. Oh, poor guy. I am. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm a carnivore. <laughs> okay. Well. Do French fries count? <laughs> it's a potato. It's from a plant. Okay. All right. So we'll, we'll use that. So the potato plant had to produce photosynthesis. The, the potato itself is full of sugar or energy. It's full of carbs. Right. So you eat it. And it gives you all this good energy going, yeah, we're ready to go. We're ready to conquer the world now because you're full of energy. But it also allows your body for cellular respiration. See, this is the interconnectedness between plants and animals. Right. So plants do both photosynthesis and cell respiration, but now animals also do cell respiration, and we get our energy from plants. So here, what happens if that this doesn't... This is a connection here. What happens if, if that doesn't doesn't work right if there's not cell respiration or if we're dead okay <laughs> we so, don't breathe we're dead so if plant if animals don't breathe they're dead so if we talk about evolutionary process that had to happen from the beginning yes so is there a complexity to it sounds like it's pretty complex is there a complexity oh, yeah. to it that doesn't relate to evolution well you're 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 talking about um chemical reactions taking place, yep. um, very powerful uh, reactions taking place to break bonds and in, to create bonds and to, to move. You're, you're taking sunlight energy and you're taking uh, water, 
right? And you're, you're, you're taking H2O, you're taking carbon dioxide for photosynthesis to produce C6H12O6. Basically, it's a glucose molecule. That's pretty, that sounded really smart. Okay. And, <laughs> and, and you're producing O2. Well, you're bringing in CO2. Well, you have to, be, have to have some energy to break the carbon bonds off the oxygen. And then you're bringing in H2O, which you also have to break the hydrogens and the oxygens apart. To use it. Yeah, to use okay. it. To metabolize it. And, and, and to do all the little chemical reactions that have to take place, to go through all the little cycles, yep. okay? Uh, you may have remember Calvin cycle or in, resp in, cell, in, in respiration, uh, the Krebs cycle, and um, all of these cycles that have to take place, mm -hmm. the complexity. Right. I mean, we're... We don't know exactly everything it takes to know about photosynthesis, but it's so complex. Right. So you're telling me that out of nothing, we're going to get this complex process of photosynthesis, but works and blends so well into cellular respiration that animals and humans and, and plants, we all are connected and have to work together. We have this sweet symbiosis of working together. You're saying it, it just happened over well, thousands of years of mutations? Right, and so that's my question. They would have all well, died out by now. And that's that's the question, right? Is there an irreducible complexity? I think it's Michael Behe. Is that the, Could be. the, the scientist that introduced that term or coined that term, irreducible complexity? I think he was primarily focused at that point on the complexity of uh, the structure of DNA. Mm -hmm. And then also um, within that, the different, um, I think it was the flagellum motor. Right? Yeah, so the, the, the thing, little tail. The, the little tail. That it's, goes it's, back. Right, so it's moving, <laughs> it's moving proteins, if I am remembering this correctly, where they need to be to form the bonds that create the double helix that is the structure of our DNA. Correct. Right, and so this little flagellum that is <laughs> flipping its tail and moving stuff where it needs to be, for that to have evolved, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't exist, right? Because Correct. to come from a simpler organism, it is as complex as it needs to be, and without that complexity, it would cease to exist, which mm -hmm. would eliminate the possibility for life. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of irreducible complexity, it is the smallest that it can be in its complex form. And with it, without that simple complexity, for lack of mm -hmm. a better term, it doesn't do the job it's supposed to do. Life doesn't exist. You know, we, we have our students, we, we get have them work on different simulations, natural selection simulations. And we had this one with uh, rabbits and wolves. We could not start the simulation. You have one rabbit on there. You couldn't start it until you added a mate. Without a mate for that rabbit, that couldn't start. So, so not only did the species have to evolve, but it had to evolve at the same time as its mate evolved. Correct. You had to have both a male and female evolving at the same time. Because mm -hmm. if not, let, let's say... Let, let's just say that evolution was somehow remotely correct, okay? So, man, let, let's say you were evolved, but if you had no mate, you're going to die off. Right. And then the whole line's done. There'll be no junior. Correct. Right. So you had to have not just another you created, because we already know you could have two males together and nothing's happening. No babies. Yeah, no offspring. Right. So... There had to have been a female. 
And that female had to be just perfect already, but she's different than man. Males are different than females, and females are different than males. They have certain parts that are totally unique to their own, hormones totally unique to their own. Mm -hmm. It's inscribed into their DNA. Mm -hmm. And you're saying somehow through evolution that both the male and female were created at the same time, even though we have no documentation of that anywhere, and that they had to find themselves on this huge earth. Yeah, they evolved like next door to each other. Yeah, because if not... They could have been 60 miles apart and never seen each other. And guess what? Oh, they both died. They're gone. Right. You know, we're talking they had to so be. So you're talking probability at this point that it's oh. increasingly unlikely for for not only the complexity to evolve. Correct. Right, from, yes. from simple to more complex, mm-hmm. but for the mate from simple to complex to evolve. Exactly. And produce offspring. And, and this is why... When I go to photosynthesis and cell respiration, that whole interaction, there was a designer. Okay. That was God. He put all this stuff together. Nobody, all the the random things that happen but are required, and they're just little, small, minute things, and then it all worked. You're going, wow. That couldn't have come from evolution. Yeah. So I've heard DNA described as the most complex uh, information storage machine known to man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That our modern-day computers, the most sophisticated, even the artificial intelligence computing systems, are no match for the information storage capacity of DNA. True, and it's not as fast as even the human brain, but... Right. Yeah. So, and, and if I understand that correctly, um, and maybe I shouldn't say understand, but, but if I can grasp parts of it... Um, Computers are based on binary code, yes. zeros and ones. Yeah, and, on and off switches. And yeah. even the most complex computers are mm-hmm. zeros and ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, DNA is a structure of four proteins working Basically, together, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not, you know, to go from zeros and ones, binary code, to the four proteins, it's, you know, you might think, oh, well, you just double it. Right, but it's not. It's really more exponential than just multi- multiples. Right, yeah. the information storage capacity of DNA, um, and so, yeah. The the thought is the best that we can create pales in comparison to the DNA that's within us in terms of information storage. Yes, um, and 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 not just storing the information, but carrying out the processes. Oh yeah, that relate to life to Correct. everything. Whether it's whether it's the um, and you can help me with the terms, but the the things that we do that are automatic, right? Whether it's blinking, breathing, oh yeah, the, the, from, the, from the subconscious, you have you have the three parts of your brain, and so it's from your brainstem, the innermost part, yeah. is where all the non-thinking things happen, like your breathing, right. heartbeat, all those things. That is from the brainstem part. It just sends out signals. And you don't have to think about that. Right. And there's complexity in that. Oh, and then the things definitely. that we choose to do. Yeah. Right? Um, and so I'm not even getting into, you know, thought processes, but just, <laughs> you know, deciding to, you know, pick up a phone. Yeah. Right? The, the, com- the level of complexity that goes from having the thought to carrying out the action. Oh, yeah. Um, and so if you break that down or you reverse engineer that and and you go back far enough, it seems like as that complexity starts to 
uh, break down to simpler and simpler forms mm-hmm. of life, mm-hmm. simpler and simpler um, forms of um, cells that have grouped together, mm-hmm. uh, eventually life stops. You can't get all the way back you know, from picking up a cell phone. You can't get back to a single cell organism and say that you know, all along that process, reverse engineering it, life continues to exist. No. Right. No. And, you know, you, you talk about that, and that takes, that's your nervous system. A lot of people don't understand your nervous system is not, it's not like one of these wires continuously connected. Yeah. They're not. There's breaks in it all mm-hmm. the way down. And there's a chemical reaction that has to take place at every one of those little synapses mm-hmm. and to carry the message. And it does it, boom, that fast. Right. So when you take a needle and put it into the palm of your hand, you go, ow. Who does that? That, you know, crazy people like me <laughs> okay. to prove a point. All right. So, you so that's going to send that signal right to my brain right now to say, hey, that hurts. Yeah. Okay. Not only that, it's built in that if I did this, my hand is going to naturally start to close quick like this and move away. Mm-hmm. That fast. Right. And that signal, and they've tested it, hadn't even gotten to the brain yet. Oh, like, really? It hadn't already, it hadn't hit the brain yet. By the time you so feel why, the pain. So why does that reaction happen? Because it's a built-in natural re- reaction yeah. to save the body. Okay. So the, it is naturally built. Self-preservation is built into this body. Right. So this body, and, and it's all about... We use a term called homeostasis, self-preservation, balancing everything in our bodies, all of this. I honestly, when you just study the human anatomy, the human body, how you can come up with evolution, I'll never know. <laughs> because there's so many complexities. You could go for another billion years and have them all line up to, to produce what we have here today. Right. No way. Right, and again, that's back to probability. Exactly. Could could it ever happen that way? What's the likelihood? And I think that outside of the conversation of biblical worldview, right, just in in everyday conversations in the business world, I mean, Mm -hmm. we're always thinking probability. Mm -hmm. You're you're at an intersection, and you're ready to make a left-hand turn to cross traffic, and you are establishing in your mind the probability of doing that safely. Yes. We talk about probability all the time. We we talk about reactions all the time, or Mm -hmm. we experience them, I should say. We experience probabilities. We experience these reactions all the time, Mm -hmm. and we're very comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. But when we get into the probability of uh, life and the complexity of life occurring Mm -hmm. Aside from an intelligent designer, we go, eh, let's not talk about those probabilities. Yeah. So it, it you know, for me, stud, I mean, I studied the human human body. I was, I was fortunate enough to, I studied comparative vertebrate anatomy. I got to, I had classmates, hey, Gary, come in here. We're working on a cadaver here. You know, I came from a small college. We had not just one, we had two cadavers, <laughs> man. <laughs> and they had... They had open heart surgery, so man, we're clipping the the, the metal there so they can open up the chest. Oh and we're gosh. I'm like a little kid in a candy store. Yeah, oh, man, look at that's this. That's such a weird description this for is, that this experience. Is, you know, to me, this is so exciting, <laughs> right, right. right? But when you step back and say, how all of this stuff works, how that heart beats, and that's the motor that forces the blood, that transportation system of nutrients throughout our body. So you're I'm I'm telling you, you eat food. Now, you need to eat veggies because it's full of life-giving energy 
Can I so, just take a supplement? <laughs> I think I'll take a supplement. <laughs> Maybe a smoothie. But it all goes down into your belly, but blood goes to your, your, your stomach area, and through the lining comes all the nutrition, and your blood is is hightailing it to every part of your body, to every cell, to say, hey, you need some ATP energy? Here, boom, there you go. You need a couple of them? Boom, boom, here you go. Oh, your waste material, carbon dioxide? Oh, give it to me, and on my way back, I'll, I'll unload it, and I'll be back for with, with some more energy for you. Right, the complexity yeah. of that system. All of that, the, yeah. the beauty of that. And it's not just going to the, the heart and to the lungs, and then to your, all of your extremities and coming back. And, I mean, going through the liver, the pancreas, and, and its role and to create um, uh, insulin. And then the, the positive and the negative feedbacks that take place in, in your body to keep everything well-maintained mm -hmm. as, a, as a smooth-running machine. God, the creator, the designer, he put all that stuff into place. Right. They, this, it, by points, chance, it points to design. Right? It does. It points to design. Well, I wanted to, um, I wanted to end our time with a thought uh, from Scripture, okay. something that I think about when I consider this complexity, um, that it's so far beyond um, my understanding, and I know that you understand it far better than I do, um, and that there are people that are have an intimate knowledge with this of this complexity. But when I think of it. And perhaps even for you, um, there's levels of it that maybe you don't understand as well mm -hmm. and that you're just kind of blown I don't away know it all, wow, believe this, me. This, this complexity points to a designer, mm -hmm. and, and I stand in awe, and I think mm -hmm. of Psalm 139. So I'm just going to read, um, starting in verse 1, uh, what, it, what, what we read in Psalm 139. You have searched me, Lord, you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too mm -hmm. lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully, wonderfully made. made. Your works are yes. wonderful. I know that full well. That's awesome. So, yeah, when I entertain these thoughts mm -hmm. and I get to that point where I go, wow, you know, maybe I'll understand bits and pieces within my lifetime, mm -hmm. but I stand in awe of a creator. Mm -hmm. And I just want to let everyone know, none of you are accidents. Each and every one of us are fearfully and wonderfully made. That gives me comfort. That gives me hope. God knows everything there is about you, Christoph. He knows every cell. He knows every function that's working. He knows that I don't need vegetables. And and he's trying to bring somebody <laughs> to your path to encourage you to eat the, oh, the, the life-giving healthiness here, right. you know. But that's the beauty of it. God knows everything about you, about me, about Josh. And he loves us so much. 
that he sent his son for us to give us a way to get through this dark and dying world mm -hmm. that the devil is taking over from us. Yeah. The, the love of our creator, not just in the design, yes. but in the relationship that he wants with us. Yes. That's awesome. great. That's a, that's a good way to end our time together. I think Thanks, so. Gary. You bet.